Vikings fans. Look at us. We're not so different. I see tweets about you guys wanting to fire Ed Donatel because of soft coverage. We're not so different. We are the world. Who would have thought? Huh? This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. For those of you that might have been listening last night around 550 or so, I know I mentioned this. There was a huge power outage in lacrosse last night. Like 5,000 customers out. It was dark. Like traffic lights were down. Parking garages were dark. It was, it was very spooky, especially on the north side. And people were just obviously hanging out in the dark without power. And I have a buddy who lives not far from where I am, kind of downtown, just a little bit north. And he sent me a video from his apartment. And it was him sitting in the dark with a flashlight in his living room in the pitch black with his garage radio that is obviously running off of a huge battery and it's tuned to 96.7, which is our lacrosse Philly, but also the same FM signal of our Madison station, the zone. And I thought, huh, look at this. All you fancy internet podcasters, all you live streamers, when the power goes down, what's up? Radio's still on the air. Wisco Sports Show's not stopping because a little bit of a power outage. Mm-mm. Podcasters, although this show is posted as a podcast. Radio. Radio. When the lights go out, we stay on. The Wisco Sports Show. That's our new marketing campaign. I just thought that was funny. Thought I'd share that with you. Start the night. We still like radio. Still listen to old school sports radio. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had an outstanding day. My mother called me uh, about 20 minutes ago because I, I think she was driving back from work in Eau Claire. And the weather's getting bad. So, if you can get home, toot sweet, make it happen, because we're about to get smacked with some weather. Uh, and then you can just hole up with a nice mug of hot chocolate or coffee or maybe eggnog, maybe make a Tom and Jerry, and just put both hands around that cup and watch it snow out the window while listening to your favorite sports show. That's a, that's a pretty solid night. But if you are out driving, seriously, I think the weather's getting pretty bad in some spots, especially farther north. So just take it slow, take it easy. The longer you're in the car, the longer you have to listen to this show. So you might as well drive slowly. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text the show. And you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I want to talk about the Packers in just a few minutes. And we're going to do Slow News Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Jason Wildey wrote a banger of a story about Jordan Love this week. Ruffled some feathers on Twitter. Got some people bent out of shape, started some controversy. That's no fault of Jason Wildey. People... People can't read anymore. And I don't mean like people can read, but they don't know what they're reading. Media literacy in this country is dead. It's dead. We stink at reading and watching and understanding what we're reading and watching and what is news and what's not and what is real and what's not. So I want to talk about that Jason Wildey story. We're going to do Slow News Wednesday after 5 o'clock. I want to start with last night. I'll level with you. I'll be honest with you. I'm always honest with you. As an NBA fan... As a fan of the league, and I am a fan of the league, I needed last night. I I, I needed that. Like you know, you know those me, you know those Drake memes. It's like Drake's the type of guy to look around at his buddies while hanging out and say, "I needed this." Like I was looking at my TV last night, 
watching Bucks Warriors, watching Lakers Celtics, watching some of the other games that were on. I, I was looking around my living room at my TV and thinking, I, I, I really needed this. It's been well over a week since I've been able to sit down at 6 o'clock and watch basketball until midnight. That's what I did last night. And also, and this is big for me, I've been more into the Badgers than the Bucks the last two weeks. You've heard on this show, we've been talking a lot of Badgers basketball, talking a lot about Connor Asijan and Jordan Davis and Chucky Hepburn. I haven't done a lot of Chris Middleton deep dives over the last two weeks. Haven't broke down a lot of press conferences of Mike Budenholzer, but we've talked a lot about Greg Gard. So this has been a weird two weeks for me. I've kind of been out on the league a little bit, watching the league from a distance, focusing more on college basketball. We've talked a lot about Luke Fickle. We've talked a lot about the Packers. I needed last night. I needed it. I felt sustained watching Bucks Warriors. It's like after you get home and you eat a well-portioned, satisfying meal. When you have a little piece of chicken, a little serving of veggies, little little pile of rice, you're like, that's, that's, in an ideal world, that's what I would eat every night, right? Little protein, little veggies, little carbs, clean off my plate. I'm satisfied. That is a good meal. It was well-portioned. It hit all the food groups. That's, I, I feel sustained. That's how I felt watching Bucks Warriors last night. It wasn't an entire bag of Tostitos, which I'm known to eat. I love tortilla chips. Oh, my God. Like, sometimes I come home and I don't really have food in the house. So I'll make a thing of peanut butter toast and maybe eat some potato salad that I've left. You know, just one of those nights. Not great. It's different from a leftovers night. When you're cleaning out the fridge, you're just eating whatever. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. Last night was not that. It was a well-portioned, satisfying Neil, I felt sustained watching Bucks Warriors. And then Lakers Celtics gave me that feeling that I'm always chasing. Right? The Celtics blowing a 20-point fourth quarter lead on national television. Oh my God, I, I was it was Nirvana. I was tweeting like Ben Kenny last night. Did you see my tweet at Wisco Grant? I said, we have a situation in Los Angeles. It was great. Until it wasn't great. I, then I went to bed angry because Anthony Davis can't make his free throws. The NBA should make me go to bed angry sometimes. I felt good to go to bed angry. I felt good to feel sustained. Like I like I just ate a hearty meal after watching Bucks Warriors. I, I felt the, the, the nirvana, the great feeling of watching the Celtics melt down on national TV to their biggest rival. And then I went to bed angry. That, that's, that's hitting for the cycle. <laughs> the night of watching... NBA basketball. I want to talk more about Bucks Warriors. I don't need to talk about Lakers Celtics. We'll talk more Bucks Warriors in the NBA Lounge tomorrow because I have more to say on this game, but I don't want to spend a whole hour talking Bucks tonight. Thursday's kind of our our night for that. How are the Warriors twelve and two at home and two and twelve on the road? They lost last night one twenty eight to one eleven. They're now zero and eight on the road against teams above five hundred. How? I know that's the cliche stat of the day. It's a stat everyone's talking about. They're a 500 team that's 12 and 2 at home and 2 and 12 on the road. And, and you can talk about, well, the, you know, the crowd in Golden State's really good and they got some young players to feed up. Yeah, okay, maybe that's the difference of a game or two, but a 2 and 12 and 12 and 2 home and away split should not be possible. How is a team night and day different based on where they're playing? The Warriors had four texts last night, they could have had more. I thought they gave Kaminga a lot of leash. I thought they gave Steph a lot of leash, which is fine. Steph is deservedly. I mean, you let the the star players go a little longer. It was bizarre watching Kaminga jump up and down and make a scene, and he eventually got attacked. But the Warriors had four techs in total. Draymond got a fan thrown out. Jonathan Kaminga had five fouls. Jermichael Green had six. He fouled out. Really out of control, really sloppy, Really upset about the officials, really upset at fans like Draymond, like I said. I, it's just, 
It's not a good look. And worst of all, worst of all, if I was a Warriors fan, watch the Warriors on offense. They routinely last night had two or three guys on the floor at a time who couldn't shoot. They would ignore Draymond, ignore Kaminga. Well, okay, Steph and Jordan Poole are out there, but like those are the only guys we have to guard. Those are the only guys we have to cover. Steph Curry had a poor shooting night. Jordan Poole had a poor shooting night. Those two combined to shoot 8 of 50 from the floor, or 18 of 50 from the floor. That's 36%. Andrew Wiggins didn't play, which I want to talk more about tomorrow because that gets us into a conversation that I want to have about the Bucks. But Steph Curry historically has struggled against the Bucs. He's never shot the ball well against the Bucs. Justin Garcia and Dave Kane were talking about that on the Bucks radio network last night when I was in my car for five minutes in the second quarter or third quarter, maybe started the third quarter. They did a really good job talking about that. Historically, Steph has just not shot the ball well against the Bucs. And in the last two years, that might be explainable because you'd think, albeit in limited matchups, well, Drew Holiday makes life real tough on him. You know, Drew Holiday, a really good defender, really physical defender. He beats Steph up. He guards Steph really well. Drew is a house, yeah, absolutely. But my, 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 after last night, and I mean this, this is not hyperbole. I almost tweeted this today, and I just said, screw it, I'll save it for the show. Someone needs to convince me that there is a player better suited to guard Steph Curry in this league than Javon Carter. Because I don't see one. I know that this is nuts. Javon Carter might be a player better suited to guard Steph than Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday is regarded as one of the best defensive point guards in the league. I mean, Eric Names writing an article about it every other week, breaking down this move and that move and how he's good at this and good at that. And if you listen to other players around the league ask about Drew Holiday. They'll just wax poetic about how underrated he is and about how difficult he makes life on defense and this and that. I think Javon Carter might be better suited to guard Steph Curry than Drew Holiday. Steph is a great player because he's a great shooter. Steph is an all-time great because of the way he moves. There's a difference between Steph Curry and Trey Young. Now, Steph Curry is a better shooter than Trey Young, but when Steph Curry doesn't have the ball, he's running all over the place. He's finding openings. He's running off of picks. He's making the defense rotate and adjust and adapt. And that's that gravity that people talk about when they talk about Steph Curry. His gravity is because of his shooting, yes, but also because he's flying all over the place all the time. Steph is great because of his shooting. He's an all-time great because of the way he moves. And I feel like Javon Carter is a player better suited to move with him than Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday as a stationary defender is great. You can try to post Drew up and he will stand you up like a like a brick wall, like a brick milk house. Right? And, and Drew will run you up and down the floor and he can jog you 94 feet. But Javon Carter is a little smaller, a little quicker, a little thinner, a little faster, a little younger. And Javon Carter isn't spending as much energy on the offensive end like Drew Holiday is, so he has more to spend on defense. What Javon Carter did last night on Steph Curry was unbelievable. And I don't know if there's another player in basketball who can do that? Who can play that role? Javon Carter is very unique. And I don't know if Javon Carter had this in him last year when he was with the Bucks. I can't imagine he had this in him when he was weighed by the Nets. But then again, the Nets love giving away good players, especially good defenders. See Allen Jarrett, example number one. Javon Carter can move with Steph in a way that I, I don't even know if Drew Holiday can. Here's Steve Kerr after the game last night. He was asked about... What the Bucks did defensively that made it so hard to shoot. He was not asked about any specific player. He was asked about the Warriors' struggles on offense 
and what the Bucks did to cause that struggle. Here's his answer. I thought Javon Carter set a great tone defensively for them. He was um, all over the ball. And, um, you know, Milwaukee has a, a good scheme. Um, you know, they drop their bigs, and uh, they fight uh, really hard over the top of pick and rolls and DHOs. And, and so you're not going to get much... Um, at the rim uh, because those bigs are down there. And then they've got guards who like Carter and like uh, Drew Holiday when he's playing and um, and others who are you know fighting hard over the screens and really challenging the three-point shots at the, at the line. So they force you into a lot of uh, mid-range stuff. And, um, you know, I thought their defense was fantastic tonight. He started with Javon Carter. Steve Kerr won multiple titles, coached all-time greats, it's been in big moments. It's like, well, I really thought Javon Carter set a great defensive tone. Two years ago, three years ago, Javon Carter was in Phoenix, and me and my friends would joke about him as that bald guy who played at West Virginia. It's incredible the niche and the role he's carved out on this Bucks team for himself. To the point where Drew Holiday doesn't play, he's like, all right, I'll start, and I will dog Steph Curry the entire game. It's really cool. And... If you have an athletic subscription, Eric Name wrote a really good piece about this today, breaking it down. He also talked about Grayson Allen face guarding Jordan Poole for basically the entire game. Grayson Allen, look, for everyone who's obsessed with trading Grayson Allen, I don't get it. If there's a great package, sure, but Grayson Allen does a lot of good things for this team, especially when he's hitting shots. But the way he played defense on Jordan Poole last night, face guarded him, chased him around everywhere between Grayson Allen and between Javon Carter. I mean, they just made life hell in the backcourt for the Warriors last night. And without Wiggins... And without, obviously, Duran, who's not there anymore, but Draymond can't play anymore. He can't score anymore. Hey, just a really impressive performance. The Bucks played with their food last night and still ended up eating their food. They won by 20. And in the third quarter, it, it got a little clunky, and Giannis was working on things mid-game against the Warriors. It's just wild. 608 I want to talk a little Wisconsin Badgers news when we come back before we get into the Packers, if that's cool. If anyone wants to join me in that, some big news last night, some quarterback news. Let's go. And, of course, Kenny and Hyopern did a great job talking about it last night. I was listening. I said, I, I want to add on that. I want to pile onto that and talk about a, a four-star quarterback who was visiting campus the last couple of days. So we'll talk about that coming up next. First, a text from Joey. It says, hey, Grant, once again, the Twins fumbled the bag on a big free agent like Carlos Correa. I don't know what the Twins were supposed to do. You know, they got Correa for a year. They said, all right, you can you can park here for a year and we'll try to win with you and then you can go chase a bag somewhere else. I mean, the Twins weren't going to be able to pay him that. The Twins could have traded him at the deadline, but that would have been rather lame. Like, I, I'm, I, I am against trading players to get something for them before they leave, for the most part. I want to try to win with the players when I have them on my team, especially if I'm the Brewers or the Twins. So I get you. It's egg on the face of the Minnesota Twins, but I don't know what else they're supposed to do, Joey. Max in lacrosse says, great Bucks win over the defending champs, but Giannis needs to stop shooting the ball. He's clearly the MVP this year, but haters will look at a box score of him missing so many jumpers and use it against him. Also, I've never seen a ref give out that many texts in one game. Warriors look like a bunch of crybabies. I just needed the refs to just chill out in the third quarter, period. They were calling everything, and it sucked. And then I had to listen to Stan Van Gundy yell over it. It, it was it, like, it was the scene... At the beginning of Home Alone, when all the kids are running everywhere 
and and milk is getting spilled on the table and everyone's scrambling to pack and it's loud and there's too many people in one space and the police officer comes in who's ultimately the burglar Joe Pesci and he's like hey what's going on here can I get a word with someone and everyone's running by that was the third quarter last night you got Steph almost getting thrown out Steve Kerr's getting teed up Bud's getting teed up Draymond's getting a fan thrown out the refs are calling everything including 10 second violations delay of games they're calling offensive fouls moving screens and throughout it all is Stan Van Gundy yelling some nonsense at the top of his lungs. And then when Stan Van Gundy's done telling a stupid story I don't care about, then we got to go to Stephanie Reddy, who's got a report that I don't care about. Hey, everyone, shut up. Just let Brian Anderson call the game. That third quarter was madness. And if you saw my Twitter, it, it was very reflective of how I was feeling. I was getting very angry in the third quarter. It was like the house at the beginning of Home Alone. Everyone needs to sit it down and shut up, especially Stan Van Gundy. I just, I, I personally, nothing against him. I just can't stand him on broadcast. Let's take a three-minute break. I want to talk about some Badgers news coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show going to talk Packers in a couple minutes. Going to do Slow News Wednesday. Jason Wildey wrote a banger. He had no business writing a piece this good. It's about Jordan Love. We're going to do that after 5 o'clock for Slow News Wednesday. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, and you can text and call the show 608-796-2558. I have some recommendations to give. I've had a crazy day of discovering things online. I have a couple podcasts I want to recommend to you. I have a couple articles I want to recommend to you. And if you are uh, into the music stuff, I swear, I found the best Dead show I've found in weeks, which is the best feeling ever. Maybe we'll do that right before 5 o'clock. A couple recommendations to hand out. Started the show by talking a little bit about the Bucks. They dismantled the Warriors last night, which is cool, but everyone dismantles the Warriors at home. The Warriors were 2-12 and 12 on the road and 12-2 and two at home. It's very bizarre. I don't know how that's real. That doesn't make sense. Even teams that are more predisposed to play well at home, play well on the road, it's it's never that black and white. It's never that bad. I, I, I don't know. I want to talk Badgers football for a couple of minutes. I thought Kenny and Halpern did a great job discussing this last night. Zach and Ben. It's my favorite show on this network. We got transfer quarterbacks visiting Madison, apparently. Friend of show and great-looking man, Evan Flood. All over this last night. He was tweeting about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oklahoma four-star quarterback Nick Evers is in town, and he's posting pictures. It's not like he was sneaking into town, he sniffed around, you know, stayed with his grandma and left. No, no, no. Very official. On campus, he was posting pictures. Luke Fickle was posting a video, which I guess is the symbol now that there's a recruit in town and we're doing a visit or we're signing a recruit or whatever. Seemed to be a very official visit. It seems like this might actually be a thing. Luke Fickle spoke to the media yesterday. Our guy, Zach Hopper, nice enough to send me the audio. They talked a little bit about the bowl game and how they're going to handle that. Luke Fickle was also asked, what does he want in a quarterback? What's his ideal quarterback? I found this interesting. Leader, winner. And I think that they come in all different shapes and sizes. But if you don't find a leader and you don't find a winner, I don't care how accurate they are. I don't care how big they are. I don't care how fast they are. Obviously, we all have the things that we are looking for, you know, I've always wanted a guy that can move, you know, doesn't mean he's got to be a running quarterback. But if you can't extend things, you can't make things happen um, with your athleticism, I think it limits you. God, Luke Fickle would have hated Alex Hornibrook. 
<laughs> Luke Fickle would have started Bart Houston the entire year. That's for sure. He would have said, that guy's a winner. He can play for me. He doesn't have a great arm, and he's not athletic, and he's not that talented. <laughs> but that guy's a winner. Who's this Alex Hornibrook loser? Hey, he throws lefty. Get out of here. This guy's not a winner. He's not a leader. I'll stick with Bart Houston. Thank you very much. I, by the way, I think agree on just about all fronts. It's just so much easier winning with a quarterback that can move. Like you said, doesn't have to be a running quarterback. Doesn't have to be a run first quarterback. But can Wisconsin have a quarterback that's not a statue? Can Wisconsin have a quarterback that doesn't wear the clunkiest knee braces possible? Can we get someone who can move briskly down the field if they need to? Get out of the pocket if they need to? Nick Evers would check some of these boxes. He's from Texas. Four-star quarterback. He's transferring after his freshman year of Oklahoma. He didn't play, right? So this isn't like uh, a Caleb Jones situation where it's this 100% can't miss superstar guy. Nothing like that, but a very talented quarterback that obviously was recruited and, and touted very highly coming into Oklahoma. I'm starting to buy into all these things happening at Wisconsin. Uh, the Twitter account, and I don't know how to say this, but he's one of my favorite accounts. Akshaf is what it looks like. I don't know if that's a first initial, last name, or something like that. He's the guy with the Ricky Weeks ABI, the Ricky Weeks profile picture. He tweeted something. This might have been a couple nights ago. I was trying to find it today, and I, I couldn't. It was something along the lines of this. This seems unrealistic. I don't believe that this can happen, but then again... You know, look where we are. Badgers fans, look where we are. The Badgers employ Luke Fickle, who brought in Phil Longo to run the air raid. So I'm kind of past the point of skepticism on things happening for the Badgers. I think it's time to expect the unexpected. Bring in all the transfer portal quarterbacks you can. Right? Ben was talking about Coldwater Kenny, as some are calling him. I just came up with that. I'm calling him Coldwater Kenny. Loves the idea of Nick Evers, but not as a starter next year. He's not ready. He's green. Whatever. Bring in all the quarterback talent you can. The Badgers could have done a lot better job of that the last few years. They just stuck with Graham Mertz, which I I understand because they never get recruits like Graham Mertz, but that's a position you want to feed. You always want to be addressing. You always want to bring guys in. And, of course, our pro team, the Packers, that's all they do. You know, let's get Deshaun Kaiser. Let's get Brett Hundley. Let's get Vince Young as a reclamation project. That's what the Badgers need to do. Vagabond John said Jack Cohen could move. Yeah, he could move relative to Alex Hornibrook and Cam Phillips or Kurt Phillips or whatever his name name was. Yeah, he could move compared to those guys. Jack Cohen could tuck it on an option, I suppose. Man, Alex Hornibrook was so slow. He was so... Was he wearing a, a weighted flak jacket when he was playing quarterback? Was he we- wearing one of those weighted uh, lead x-ray vests? Because that's how he moved. That dude was so slow. It's like his feet were sinking into the ground when he tried to run. Again, I, I like Luke Fickle's answer. I want a winner. I want a guy who can lead. And that comes in all shapes and sizes. Again, I, I want to listen to this one more time. This is incredible. Leader, winner. And I think that they come in all different shapes and sizes. But if you don't find a leader and you don't find a winner, I don't care how accurate they are. I don't care how big they are. I don't care how fast they are. Obviously, we all have the things that we're looking for. You know, I've always wanted a guy that can move. You know, doesn't mean he's got to be a running quarterback. But if you can't extend things, you can't make things happen um, with your athleticism, I think it limits you. We get a text here from Matt in Eau Claire. 
says the forward pass might be a new concept for Badger fans, but we aren't winning any Rose Bowls with power rushing anymore, i.e. every Rose Bowl post-Alvarez. What do you mean? They were close on... They were close on some of those. They really should have beat Oregon. That that fumble killed them down the the second time. They should have beat Oregon. The Justin Herbert Oregon team, not 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 the other one. Wait, did they play, did they play Oregon twice? Yeah, they, they played Oregon in the Rose Bowl with Russell Wilson, right? Was that Mariota? It was TCU, Oregon, Stanford, and then Oregon. Was there four? Or was there a fifth Rose Bowl? I'm forgetting about. They lost them all. They played Andy Dalton. I think Mariota, Herbert. I don't remember who the quarterback was for Stanford. I do remember Tank Carter, I believe. He was on TCU, right? That nasty defensive player who had all the armbands. You go back and, and do a lineage of, of Rose Bowls. That's the thing. I, I think it's important to mention with Phil Longo, who is at UNC, they've got some really good rushers at UNC. It's not just throwing. It's not exclusively throwing. When they've had the talent... And, and the correct situations to run the ball they have. That's where Javante Williams came from. There's another running back. And again, they talked about this on Kenny and Heilprin. UNC running backs. Who's the one I'm forgetting about? I'm showing my my uh, lack of depth here a little bit. Can't remember. But they've had a pretty good rushing attack under Phil Longo. It's not just 65 passes a game. They're going to have a chance to run the ball too. And I would imagine that some of these offensive linemen... And the running backs who are at Wisconsin are like, you know what? It's nice to not bang our head into eight-man boxes every single play. Like, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, they've had some pretty good rushers at UNC. It's not just throwing the ball 60 times. So, yes, the forward pass, they're going to run a lot more 11 personnel, I would imagine. One running back, one tight end, spread it out with three wide receiver sets. But that doesn't mean they also can't run the ball effectively. I think it's going to be a, a little bit of a modernization of Wisconsin, but I think they're going to hold on to some of the things. They're going to still run the ball, and I think they're still going to recruit running backs, and I think it's still going to be a desirable place for running backs to come play. Who's the other UNC running back I'm trying to think of? Shoot, it's going to bother me. I'll look it up over the commercial break. We'll come back in five minutes. I want to talk about the Packers and uh, explain why some things have changed in my eyes with the Packers. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested in what these last couple weeks of the season could look like, so we'll talk about that. Coming up next, Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Listen to Bob Euchre all summer long. Just a bit outside. WKTY Lacrosse, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We were just talking about Phil Longo, the air raid offense, and how I don't think the rushing attack's going to die, everyone. We can calm down on that. I was trying to remember, North Carolina had uh, Javante Williams, who was killing it with the Broncos before he got hurt. There was another running back I was trying to think of. Who was it? Uh, Bradley tweeted in. It was Michael Carter, which I don't feel bad about not being able to remember that. That's the most generic-ass name. Oh, yeah, Michael Carter. Of course. He, he played with John Smith and, and Phil Anderson. God, sorry about that. That was, again, showing my lack of memorization with college football. Michael Carter, Javante Williams, Phil Longo has rushed the football. It's a different type of rushing the football. And I think if I was an offensive lineman at Wisconsin or if I was a running back at Wisconsin, the idea of not running into an eight-man box every single play. It's kind of nice. I like that idea. I like that concept. Thank you for the tweet, Bradley, at Wisco Grant. 
608-796-2558. Vagabond John says, how are we going to get more talented younger brothers to commit if we can't stash their older brothers at fullback? John Chanel, Leo Chanel, yeah. yeah that's right. T- Who's to say TJ Watt wouldn't have come to Wisconsin if Derek Watt wouldn't have been here? We don't know. We have no clue. We could probably stash Jordan Davis at fullback. Jordan Davis was a lights-out wide receiver in high school. He was unbelievable at wide receiver. I always thought when Jordan Davis got to Wisconsin two years ago as a freshman, I thought, hmm, wouldn't be shocked if he went back to football. He was so good at wide receiver. He's pretty good at basketball, too. Maybe we'll talk about that later on in the show. I want to talk Packers for a little while. Last night, Jeremy and Scotty stepped up on Twitter. He, he threatened to gatekeep me from a Packers playoff berth, which is fair. I stuck a fork in the Packers after the Detroit game. And yet part of me, like this week, wants to map the Packers' path to the playoffs. I want to sit down and think, okay, well, how? what would this look like? Right? Part of me wants to convince myself that this is possible, even though I've been out on the Packers as a legit playoff team for, what, over a month, month and a half? When did they lose to Detroit? Feels like it was weeks ago, months ago. It seems like the Brewers were playing the last time I had serious aspirations of the Packers being a playoff team. And yet, this week, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of want to flirt with the idea that maybe this team could make the playoffs, maybe kick it around a little bit. Christian Watson is him, and he's come on strong. The rest of the NFC looks not as good. And I think that's where the hang-up is for me. That's what makes me go, oh, but maybe. Eh, eh, no, but maybe. Mm-mm. But uh, maybe, though. I'm just waffling back and forth like the woman in the, the kombucha meme in that gif. Eh, no, but, uh, but maybe. Going back and forth. And I think Christian Watson's resurgence is a big part of that. The idea that Aaron Rodgers might be getting healthier, it's an idea. I don't know if that's true. Every time we hear Aaron Rodgers speak, it's my thumb feels better, my ribs feel better. I've yet to see that in practice, right? And and not in practice, I, I mean literally in practice, not in an actual practice, but I have yet to see that put into practice in a game where we can see it in a game that matters. I know the Rodgers says his thumb's getting better, but... I don't know. I'm not really sure yet. Romeo Dobbs is going to play this weekend, it sounds like. I got some sound from Romeo Dobbs we could listen to before 6 o'clock. I think my biggest reason for wanting to believe that the Packers could maybe get this done is the rest of the NFC looks a lot worse than it did even a month or two ago, and it looked pretty poor a month or two ago. Things have changed. Great Bob Dylan song, by the way, that I started listening to today. You ever heard that song? I think it was NCIS. It was in a movie. The early 2000s movie with Robert Downey Jr. I gotta look up what movie that is. This song. Things have changed. What movie is that? Robert Downey Jr. movie with Bob Dylan's song? No way this works. Wonder Boys? 2000? Yeah, that tracks. God, the internet is incredible. Things have changed. Right? To quote Bob Dylan. <laughs> Make Bob Dylan a part of the show for no reason at all. Things have changed. Looking around the NFC and thinking, the Rams? The Rams are giving up. They're folding up shop. They're playing for next year, except they can't play for next year because they don't have any picks and all their players are aging and getting worse. And Matthew Stafford, again, is not that good. The Rams are the perfect way to start the rest of the season. Tomorrow's the first day of the rest of our lives. 
Monday Night Football with the Packers is the first day of the rest of the season. Off of a bye, playing against a team that's just so bad and a game that's so winnable. This is a layup for Joe Barry. This is a this is a, a, a knock it in with the putter. What's the name for that? A putt in, a tip in? Just tap it in. Just tap it in, Joe Barry. The Rams offense is it's like a hot pocket. You cannot mess this up. Just put it in the microwave until it's warm, and it will be good. Just put it. Just put it. Just, just put it in the microwave, Joe Barry. Just come on, give us this on Monday Night Football. This is a talented defense. Can you make it look good for once in your sorry career as a defensive coordinator? You cannot mess this up. They don't have Cooper Cup. They're they're running out there. Baker Mayfield. He's not that good. He's been there for like an hour. It all starts with the Rams. The Rams game is the first day of the rest of our lives. And then if we get that win, okay, Miami on Christmas. That's going to be a weird game. There's going to be some weird shenanigans. There's going to be some weird goings on down in Miami. Maybe a fake spike. Maybe it's a safety. Maybe it's an onside kick. Maybe it's some shenanigans with a punt or a field goal. Some weird rule that we haven't seen in years. There's going to be something weird about that game. That game is going to stay memorable for some reason. We're going to look back at this Lions game, or not the Lions game, the the Dolphins game on Christmas, and think, oh, I remember that game. That was the blah, blah, blah game. We're going to remember it for a very specific weird thing that will happen. I guarantee it. But Miami, as great as they've looked in moments, they look more beatable now than ever. The Chargers defense, which is not good, said, we're just going to beat you up. We're going to get physical with you. We're going to knock off the timing, and we're going to make Tua go to his second read, his third read. We're going to make him extend plays. We know he can't do it. Perfect. Packers, do that. Easy. Follow that blueprint. The Chargers can do it. The Packers can too. The Packers' defense is better. The Minnesota game has always been a winnable game, in my opinion. Even when the Packers were amidst this long losing streak. And the Vikings were 8-0, 7-0. Or I guess they would never say They would have been 8-1 because they lost to the Eagles. Even when the Packers' season looked its bleakest. And the Vikings looked like they were riding high. I always thought, well, Packers will beat them at Lambeau later this year, assuming Rodgers is still playing. I don't really care what the Vikings record is. Detroit is good. But that game is also at Lambeau. And that might be a de facto playoff game for somebody. It might be a playoff game for both teams. It might be a playoff game just for Detroit. But either way, that's a de facto playoff game. And in a de facto playoff game, I trust Aaron Rodgers over Jared Goff, even though Jared Goff's played in a Super Bowl more recently than Aaron Rodgers. But we don't need to talk about that. Starting to talk myself into this. Things have changed, as Bob Dylan once said in his song from the year 2000, which was featured in the movie Wonder Boys. Has anybody seen Wonder Boys? What's it about? I'm kind of curious. I'm going to read the Wikipedia bio. I like Robert Downey Jr. Uh, it's a 2000 comedy drama film directed by Curtis Hansen and written by Steve Cloves. Ah, oh, Cloves. Yeah, I love him. International co-production between the United States, UK, Germany, and Japan. Holy smokes. No wonder they got Dylan. It's based on the 1995 novel of the same name by Michael Chabon. Chabon? Chabon? Michael Douglas stars as Professor Grady Tripp, a novelist who teaches creative writing at a university but is unable to finish his second novel. The film was shot in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, including locations Carnegie Mellon, Chatham University, University of Pittsburgh, and Shadyside Academy. Other Pennsylvania locations including Beaver, Rochester, and Ross Tabor Township. We need to get Ben in on this. He might know some of these. After the film failed at the box office, there was a second attempt to find an audience with a new marketing campaign and a November 8th, 2000 re-release, which was also a financial disappointment. What do you think this? What do you think the last time this movie was talked about on the radio or on TV? It seemed like this was a flop. Critical response. Oh, it received largely positive reviews from critics. 81 on, 
on Rotten Tomatoes. Michael Douglas and Tobey Maguire do clever in this dark comedy. Interesting. Critics aren't always correct. You know, you got to see what the markets do. Fascinating. The, the NFC playoff picture, this, this is the quarterback situation. Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy, Tom Brady, an old Tom Brady, Dak, Taylor Heineke, Daniel Jones. That is a watered-down group of quarterbacks. And if any of them fall out, next up would be Geno Smith, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, if the Buccaneers fall out in the South. Desmond Ritter with the Falcons is lurking. What? It's this conference? It's that group of quarterbacks? The Packers can be denied by, by that group? No. I refuse to believe that until the Packers lose one more game and then <laughs> make it a sure thing. Again, I, I stuck a fork in this Packers team after the Detroit game, but I'm looking around at the NFC and the path that the Packers have. I, I don't know. Weirder things have happened. I like Nelson's guarantee he gave on Monday morning on over the line. He said that if the Packers went out, guarantees that they make the playoffs. I, Sneaky, kind of like that prediction. The issue is that the Packers probably won't win out. They've shown that they're an inconsistent team all year. They've shown that they're not a very good offense all year. They've shown that their defense stinks all year despite all the hype. Who knows? Maybe they're due. Maybe we're just about to get hot. Maybe we're that rough spot at the blackjack table and thinking, man, just one more hand, one more hand. We're about to we're about to get hot. When in truth, you should go back to your hotel room and cut your losses. But no, no, no. I'm gonna keep laying money down on the table. Part of me wants to wait one or two more weeks and see what this Packers team really has up their sleeve, which is probably nothing, but again, you never know. 608-796-2558. I want to continue this Packers discussion next, including the Packers defense and maybe why I could make the argument that they're about to play really well. I don't know. I'll have to get creative. That's what I do. I'm a creative man. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We're going to do Slow News Wednesday here in about 10 minutes. Jason Wilde got in his bag and put out a very good piece about Jordan Love and where he stands through three years, and he might not play the rest of the year. If you take Brian Gutekunst at his word and use the mathematically eliminated yardstick, and if the Packers win a couple games here, Jordan Love could have existed in this league for three years already and really not played a meaningful game of football other than Kansas City. Which, yes, that is a meaningful game. But it, the man was a first-round pick, and he discussed that with Jordan. I want to share with you some of those quotes coming up in a few minutes. Right now, I'm trying to convince myself on believing in this Packers team and their ability to win their last couple of games. The Rams, the game they should be able to win. Miami's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird game. They can beat Minnesota at home. I don't care how bad this team is or how good Minnesota. Like Minnesota Vikings at home, always winnable. And Detroit at home at the end of the year, we'll see. The Packers lost to him the first time 15-9. to nine. That's That game was so backwards. The defense played really good. Kept Detroit's offense down, which is the hardest part. And then Aaron Rodgers and the offense turned into a potato for four straight quarters. Right? If the Packers are going to pull this off, and they are going to win enough games down the stretch, which is all of them, they're going to have to win them all. The Packers' offense is going to need to be a given. 
not a variable, right? When you, when you do equations, when you do math, we need the Packers offense to be a given. We need to know that the Packers offense is 30 or 3 or 10 or whatever. That can't be an X or a Y or a Z. When we're shuffling all the pieces around and trying to make this equation work of how the Packers can win the rest of these games, the offense needs to be a given. I need to be able to count on the offense. I need to be able to use that in this equation and move it around and count on that staying the same. And I know we have 13 games of evidence that the Packers offense is mid. They haven't been a given at all. But Rodgers getting healthy. Watson's finding himself. Perhaps the offense is due. A.J. Dillon might have some newfound confidence. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But if you are to move around all the variables and and manipulate this equation and try to make it spit out X equals Packers are in the playoffs, the Packers offense can't be a variable. It needs to be a given, right? And if we are convincing ourselves that this team can win out, we got got to just count on that. We got to let Jesus take the wheel on offense. The defense, however, Jesus take the wheel. Joe Barry's at the wheel. That scares me more than a drunk driver, honestly. Convincing myself that the Packers defense can play and can be a good unit for the last four or five games is it's going to take a little heavy lifting. I don't know. That might be a bridge too far. Buying stock in Joe Barry, believing in Joe Barry, you, taking a leap of faith in Joe Barry is a little bit harder to do. Maybe, just maybe, maybe Joe Barry is more of a second-half defensive coordinator. That's when the Packers put together some of their best performances on defense last year, although it was in the middle of the season. And it was against some lackluster offenses. Like they held their own against the Chiefs in Arrowhead, but the Chiefs were kind of down bad at the time. They held Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to a terrible performance at Lambeau. But Russell Wilson's not very good. I've been telling you that for years. It's good to know that the masses are finally starting to realize that. And the Seahawks offense just wasn't very good last year, just like the Broncos offense isn't very good now. I don't know how much stock to put into those defensive performances last year. Baker Mayfield and the Browns move the ball at will on Christmas Day. Tyler Huntley and the Ravens move the ball up and down the field at will. Well, they have Mark Andrews. Yeah, and only Mark Andrews. The game plan for the Ravens should have been so easy. Cover Mark Andrews. Don't let anybody else beat you. Or don't let him beat you, I should say. Don't let Mark Andrews beat you. And what did they do? They let Mark Andrews beat him. This is effing defense. I don't know. Maybe Joe Barry just needs time to tinker. Maybe he's the Thomas Edison of defensive coordinators. He just needs to find 25 ways to not coach a successful defense before he can actually coach a successful defense. It's like, I didn't fail to make a light bulb. I found out 500 ways not to make a light bulb. Okay, well, that's a lot of light bulbs. It's been a lot of bad defensive performances, Joe Barry, but maybe we're getting there. Maybe. Matt LaFleur never does anything correctly the first time. We have plenty of examples, right? Hiring his coordinators, setting his offensive line, scheduling his travel, setting his bye week. Field goal, fourth down decisions. Never done any of those correctly the first time. He does learn. Slow learner, but he does learn. Maybe Joe Barry is just an extension to Matt LaFleur. And he needs to try everything once and fail at everything once before finally coordinating a good defense. Okay, so Justin Jefferson is good. All right, so I should pay extra attention to him and and be physical. with. Okay, yeah, I learned that now that he torched my, my team for 200 yards. All right, yeah, now I, I'll learn from my mistakes. Idiot. I think some of the Packers' defensive players are maybe due to play well. Kenny Clark, Jair, Adrian Amos, Rasul Douglas, guys who have had kind of bad moments. Maybe they're due. Goody kind of called out some of his players this last week, 
It's got to be selfless. Got to sacrifice a little bit for the good of the unit. I think, and I've said this before up here, like we, we do have a lot of talented guys uh, on defense, um, but they got to come together as a team, you know, and that, that takes some sacrifice on their part as well as everybody in this building to be, if you're going to be a good team, you're going to be a good unit. And there's a lot that goes into that. Um, so, um, again, we've got a lot, of, you know, a lot of season left. You know, we've got four games that are really important to us around here. Um, you know, and I expect those guys to continue working towards that. Interesting. There's a lot in that comment. I don't know. we got to come together. Got to play selfless football. There are a lot of players, I think, playing for themselves. Like I think of Jair Alexander, who's jumping routes and trying to make the big play, and that's great. But you got other guys around you who are counting on you to handle your responsibility. And when you forego your responsibility, that doesn't just impact the guy you're covering. That impacts everyone around you. It's a weak link system. If one part of the defense goes down, you just attack that part and the rest of the defense doesn't matter. I don't know. Stevens has got to stop allowing explosive plays. I, I found this chart on Twitter today. It's from Arjun Minan, who is at PFF. He's at Michigan, of course. They crank out all these analytics people. The Packers have allowed 84 explosive plays this year, which is a rush of 10 or more yards and a pass of 20 or more yards. That's fewer than only the Texans, who are terrible, the Giants, who are not good, despite what their record says, and the Seahawks, who have one of the worst defenses in the league. That's the company the Packers in. They're right in front of Cleveland, who stink, and the Vikings, who also want to fire their defensive coordinator. Good company to be in when you've invested a million first-round picks into the defensive side of the ball. That's good stuff, Packers. It's, it's good, good stuff. Good job. But maybe, I don't know, maybe the world's about to turn. Maybe things are about to change. As Bob Dylan once sang, who knows? I want to do Slow News Wednesday coming up next. Jason Wildey wrote an awesome piece about what comes next for Jordan Love, and that was picked up by other outlets as Jordan Love might request a trade. And basically, it was just Jason Wildey saying, well, who knows? Maybe he would. I wouldn't blame him if he did. But now we got to report that. Again, media literacy in this country is shot. That's nothing new over the last couple of years. Maybe you've noticed. We'll do that. We'll do Slow News Wednesday coming up next. Maybe we'll get back to the Bucks before 6 o'clock, do some basketball. I always talk Badgers hoops as well. That's always fun. Wisco Sports Show back in two minutes after this update. Vikings fans, look at us. We're not so different. I see tweets about you guys wanting to fire Ed Donatel because of soft coverage. We're not so different. We are the world. Who would have thought? This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. right now i guess twitter is cracking down on all of these accounts that track private jets have you ever seen these they do these with yachts too because it's public information like flight record stuff is public information so they have all these jets like bill gates jets and this account tracks the jet and tells you where it's going or jeff bezos's jet or elon musk's jet there's a russian oligarch's jet all these have been banned today and suspended And I just tweeted because I'm a man of the people. I said, look, when I get a Wisco Sports Show jet, you guys can track me all you want. 
In fact, I'll do the work for you. I'm going to be in the Caribbean with Jimmy Buffett. We're going to be flying to and from Jamaica. You know, maybe maybe fly here, fly there, hit up some islands, maybe Cuba. I've never been to Havana. I'd love to go. Well, I've never left the country. I say, I've never been to Havana. I've never been anywhere. I've never, I've never left the country. But yeah, well, you know, we'll just be flying around the Caribbean. So I'll make it easy. You can track my jet all you want, but I'll just tweet where I'm going. I'll, I'll be with Jimmy Buffett. Maybe get Emeril Lagasse and, you know, we'll go somewhere and have a great time. Ah, man, I, I just feel like that's the price. If you have a private jet, the price to pay of having a private jet is people are going to know where you are. Same with same with a, a yacht. That's how it works. Sorry. Like, those are the rules. If you get a private jet, people are going to know where you are. I, I feel like that's a... I feel like that's a, a good trade-off, right? This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to do Slow News Wednesday. Talk a little Packers here in a few minutes. Jordan Love drama. Not really. We see what we want to see. We read a story and think, oh, my God, and then we turn it into something it's not, which is what folks have done with this Jason Wildey piece about Jordan Love. First, let's talk to Luke from Fall Creek. 608-796-2558. What's up, Luke? What's up, brother? Not much. I'm just thinking about what life would be like with a private jet. Again, I, I know what it would be like. I'd be flying around the Caribbean with Jimmy Buffett, but now I kind of can't get that out of my mind. Well, as we were uh, speaking here, I see the Brewers acquired uh, another person from the Guardians for a player to be named later. I can't think of his name off the top of my head because I literally just looked at it, but that's not some more good news. Owen Miller, not to be confused with Brad Miller. <laughs> Uh, who I also confused with Nate Orff because all of these guys are the same guy. I don't think I'm going to legitimize this trade with time on the show today. I don't even know if this is a real player. I think this might be a stock photo that they used. No, but, you know, with the Packers season winding down, I do like to keep it positive and talk about the Bucks and the Brewers. And yeah. last night you and I were kind of bantering back and forth how awful that officiating was. Oh, oh. I mean, it, it was bad on both parts. I, I watched that whole game, and I would be irate if I were Steve Kerr. I mean, it, it was it was awful. But, hey, the Bucks got the win. We've won 8 out of 10. And I just want to tell Wisconsinites, the Brewers and the Packers are not the only teams that play for, you know, your hat or your um, your major league teams. You guys got to start watching this Bucks team, man. They play like college players. They have Giannis who wants to win 100% of the time. Yeah. He plays hard. That's what Barkley said, said after the game, or was it at halftime? He's like, this guy plays harder than it's. He said, him and Russell Westbrook, I've never seen two players that play hard every night like these two guys do. Exactly. I just, you know, Wisconsin is so upbeat about the the Brewers and the Packers. Heck, I've been watching the Bucks since the 90s when they were awful until they until they drafted the big dog and then things started to per, you know persuade towards their way when they got Ray Allen and you know Sammy Cassell, Vin Baker, all of that. Yeah. And then after that they drafted TJ Ford which was horrible and you know all that but it's just it's it's so much fun to watch Giannis and the crew and I just want to let everybody else know I know the Celtics are hot and stuff, but we still have one major key that hasn't played yet. I really think that Joe Ingles is going to be special when he comes back. Hopefully he stays healthy because he can shoot the three ball and he's a defensive guru. Well, he just doesn't have to do that much for this team. He can come in and make some plays here and there. I, I just like, when I'm thinking about this Bucks team, Luke, it's like, okay, well, when Grayson Allen's not hitting shots and Bobby Portis isn't feeling it, you're left with Drew, Chris Middleton, and Giannis. Okay, 
Well, let's also throw Joe Ingles in there. Like, okay, that's that's another guy who on a night-to-night basis could get hot and hit a bunch of shots and, and really contribute to winning. I just like as many options as possible, and he's a better defender than most people give him credit for. He's a big body. He knows how to position himself. He's not a liability like a lot of similar players that play this role. Pat Connington, too, George Hill. They both had great games last night. I mean, it's just it's another exciting year. Um, you know, a lot of people are taking the Bucks and the Celtics to come out of that and and I'll tell you what, that Eastern Conference final, if that actually does happen, oh, my God, it is going to be a bloodbath. I think both of these teams are, you know, I don't think the Celtics are ready for a physical team. But at the same time, if if we can't defend the three ball like we did last year against the Celtics, you know, it's just, like I said, it's going to be a crapshoot. And uh, I, I just, I cannot wait for it. But um, you have a great night mm-hmm. there buddy and i will uh i will listen to the rest of your show you as well luke have a good night i appreciate you and i appreciate the calls from fall creek to hype up the bucks it's not that i wouldn't expect bucks fans to you know hail from fall creek but i appreciate the love coming up from the eau claire area sports talk 1051 shout out to dan casper yeah uh the bucks are good they're very good they showed it last night and there was a free throw discrepancy but look at the warriors Draymond Green's not driving to the paint. Mm-mm. Kavon Looney might get a couple of free throws, but he's not carrying an offensive workload. So he's not putting up that many shots. So he's not going to take that many fouls. Clay Thompson isn't taking it to the cup like he used to. Steph is a little bit. Steph got five free throws by last night. But like, Steph, sorry. If you're driving against Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Javon Carter, you just, like, you're not going to win that battle most of the time. Tell me the, the Warriors player that should have had more free throws last night. Right, No one can touch Giannis, which is why he shot 17 free throws last night. That's why. And that was very balanced. Chris Middleton had five free throws. He's big. He's going to the cup. I, I just, I, I don't know. Bobby Porter shot two free throws. It's a big physical team. Warriors are small. They got a lot of guys who can't shoot and do things offensively. And then on the other end, they have really no one who can check Giannis at all. At all. The Warriors should wake up and thank the Lord every morning that the Celtics made the finals last year and not the Bucks. Let's talk about the Packers. I want to talk about this Jordan Love situation. Jason Wildey writing earlier this week that oh, I talked to Jordan Love. He's got a good head on his shoulders, very self-aware, and I have some quotes that I can read you from that piece. And Jason Wildey posited, like, well, I don't know, maybe Jordan Love think about trying to do something to his career. Him and his agent, maybe they looked as he could trade this offseason. Who knows? And then people ran with that. Like, Jordan Love's about to demand. No, it's just a writer who has given his opinion. So that's where we stand. David has called in, 608-796-2558. What's going on, David? Hey, how are you? I'm I'm very unpopular on your show. Why is that? I get on your show and people bad... I don't know. I get on your show and people badmouth me, but, you know, it's okay. Who badmouthed you? Know, you? Comes with the territory, I wasn't right? aware of this. Oh, yeah, a couple times. People called and one guy called and said, oh, he could argue with... I could argue with that guy all day. Oh, Another guy, another guy said I had the voice of I don't remember who it was. Oh yeah, Some, anyway, you, it sounds like you guys you have guys tied up in your bait. You don't sound like that at all to me. You, yeah, you yeah. sound you yeah, sound yeah, like yeah. maybe the most normal it. guy that calls this show. <laughs> so uh, here's the you know everybody is raving about what the Eagles have been able to do okay. with Hertz their quarterback because he's so inexpensive that they can spend money on all these other players. Well, if, in fact, you try to keep Rodgers and Love, now what's the number next year on Rodgers? And I hear 
$59 million. Well, team-friendly, the $59 million, though. Team, he signed a team-friendly deal, David. Don't you remember? That's what we were told <laughs> when it was announced. But then another $20 million on love. How could you possibly spend $79 million on that position? Well, it's the most important position, though, David. Most important position on the field. <laughs> I'm, I'm being difficult. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. No, I just I, I don't think they can afford it. So you can say what you want. But if, in fact, those numbers are correct, that it would be $20 million for Love and $59 million for Roger. It, you need to get a capologist on your show to explain how that could possibly allow them to field a good team. The, the cuts they would have to make. Yeah. I, I don't know that. Anyway. Now, just one other thing, just a very small beef. Before okay? we get to the very With small you. beef, I, I should correct, and, and okay. you're not the only one to make this mistake. I make this mistake all the time. They have to pick up his fifth-year option this offseason, which is $20 million, but that will not that money won't cost until year five. So next year, he'll, he's still cheap, and then he'll cost $20 million the year after. So I just – because I need to remind Got myself it. of that, too. They need to pick up the option, but that option doesn't hit for another two seasons. Uh, well, thanks for explaining that. I did not know that. Always like to learn new things. I do, too. So um, a small beef, and that is that it was probably three to four weeks ago that you were saying that the brewers should go ahead and clear out their farm system and get whatever players they can who are going to be regular players. That was you who said that. Yes? Uh, I said that during the season. I believe I said to burn the boats. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe it was a month ago. Whatever yeah, whatever it was. It was. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Favor, let's get all the guys out of the farm system and get some some players who have experience. Well, you know, I'm not saying that you badmouth the Brewers for the trade, but you also did not say, hey, they're listening to me. Hey, they're doing exactly what I told them they should do. Trade those minor league prospects who... We don't know how we don't know how good they're going to be, and just go ahead and trade them for an everyday player. Well, that's what they did for Contreras. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, what? What? Well, well, I mean, let's let's have some yeah, consistency here. They did they did one. Tra- okay, so first first of all, you got to understand. I said that things age, right? Like points of view can change over time. I wanted the Brewers to go for it last year when they had Hader and all the starting pitching and Renfro's having a good season and they got Rowdy Tellez having a good season. I said, let's get some bats and do it this year. But then they got rid of Hader. They got rid of Wong. They got rid of Renfro. Okay, well, cool. They brought Contreras back in, but we're in probably still a worse spot than we were in the middle of last season. So, yeah, they traded an extra prospect, their fifth-best outfield prospect for a good catcher. That's a good deal, but in the grand scheme of things, that's all it is. It's a good deal. I don't know that it means the world for the team or their ability to compete with the other teams around them. Sorry, go ahead. You want to see them do more of it. That's, That's what you're saying. Even today, if they started trading all these big prospects, and apparently they actually have some... Pretty serious prospects. This one kid who's still very young and who they just got last year, I think he's from the Dominican Republic. People talk about him as being like one of the top ten guys in the entire minor league, not just the brewery system, but in all the systems. Yeah, sure, yeah. That's that's the guy you'd be very careful about trading, I would think. Even if you got 
somebody, you know, really experienced and who you could count on, that's a guy you probably don't trade. What, what, do you agree with that? or? Yeah, I, or I agree with Churio. They get a lot of prospects. I, I, I don't know. I want the Brewers to be intentional about what they're doing. We're stuck in this middle ground right now. We're just treading water. You know, we get rid of two good players, we trade for one more. We trade away a good player, we sign a, a one-year deal with a good player in free agency. We're just, we're middling. We're just sitting right on the fence. Yeah, I know. You, for you, it is World Series or bust. Well, I, I know that. Well, that is the goal. That is a goal. That's the goal is to win the World Series. That is the goal. It's the goal of 30 teams. I'm starting to think the goal of 29, 28, because I don't know. I don't know about the Mariners. <laughs> I, I don't know about the athletics. David, really quickly before I let you go, because I'm going to talk about Jordan Love after this. What would you have the Packers do with their quarterbacks this offseason? Do, you, do you believe that they can go into next season with both Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love? When San Francisco offers to take Aaron Rodgers and pay half of the $59 million next year, so we get back something close to $30 million, and a first and a second, I take the deal and start the new regime. Hopefully it'll be love. Hopefully love will turn out to be really good. But I'm ready to move on, not because of Rodgers, but because the plan that was cooked up, that we all signed on to, that we all thought was going to work, mm-hmm. build that great defense, and even if you have to let Adams go, the defense will be so good. Well, the defense hasn't been good. As you always say, look at all the first-round picks. It's not just first-round picks. It's signing a couple of key free agents. They went all in on the defense, and I can't believe that even a new defensive coordinator next year, even with the return of their couple of guys who were injured out for the year, I can't believe that this is going to be a top five or a top ten defense next year. And so I say let's start over. Thank you, Rogers, for your wonderful years of service. We think that you are the greatest quarterback who ever lived. No, we think that you think you're the greatest quarterback who ever lived. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And, and thanks for your service, and yeah. you get a chance to go home. 49ers yeah. would love to have you because you can put them over the top. All right, David. All right, you've given me something to work with. I'm, I'm going to talk about this more after our next break. I appreciate you. Thanks for the call. Hey, have a good one. Bye. Yeah, you too. Stay safe with this weather we're about to get. <laughs> stay warm. Stay dry. I don't think it's to be San Francisco, David. I think San Francisco, man, San Francisco is a rat's nest. I wonder what their sports talk stations are talking about with their quarterbacks. Jimmy G, you're going to feel like they're ready to be done with Jimmy G. It's like, look, we like this guy. We win games with him, but just when we think we're getting somewhere, he either has a game where he throws three picks and runs out of the back of the end zone or he gets hurt again. So I feel like they're done with Jimmy G, but how do they feel about Trey Lance? And now Brock Purdy's in the mix. And also, I kind of feel like Tom Brady is going to be available this offseason. And Tom Brady might fit really well on San Francisco. So there's that, too. And that's a rat's nest of a quarterback situation. The Packers have two. And I think they can do well with either one. I think switching to Jordan Love and trading Aaron Rodgers for a little bit. Now, I don't think it's as simple, David. I don't know this to be sure. I'm not a capologist. But I think the Packers owe Aaron Rodgers $40 million next year if he's not on this team. If he retires or he's traded, 
They owe him $40 million, and I don't think that number is movable. I don't think other teams can take on that money. That's the Packers' money to pay, and that's that. $40 million dead cap hit is not unbelievable or, or, or unfathomable like it would have been five years ago. Teams take cap hits like that all the time. The Falcons did it with Matt Ryan. Teams have done it with Carson Wentz. And if that's the Band-Aid that needs to be ripped off, I'm okay with it. I could also see the Packers sticking with Aaron Rodgers, getting him healthier, letting those wide receivers come along. Hopefully the defense has a better year next year. I think defense is based on so much luck. Like you can have a good year and you think the next year is going to be great and then it gets bad. You have a bad defense that all of a sudden gets good. It's, I don't know, it's a lot of luck. It's a lot of turnovers. It's a lot of health. It's a lot of this, that, and the other thing. I think it'd go either way. Let's talk about Jordan Love and some of the things that Jason Wildey wrote earlier this week. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Hot Stove League. For those who are interested, we were talking about this move that the Brewers made to get a guy who I've never heard of with a generic name. The Dodgers got Syndergaard, $13 million this year, plus incentives. Nice. I guess I don't have anything to add to that other than the Brewers made a trade for some slapdash from Cleveland for cash. Uh, and, the well, the Dodgers do Dodgers things. So, there you go. Baseball in a nutshell. 608-796-2558. Send me a text. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. We're going to get to this. I want to get to some of these Jordan Love nuggets that were written about by Mr. Jason Wildey. He was in his bag when he wrote this, talking about Jordan Love, his thoughts on watching some of his draft mates succeed at a really high level this year, including Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Tua. Well, he is for the third straight year sitting on the bench. And what comes next this offseason? And I thought it would be the perfect topic of conversation, the perfect media artifact, if you will. For Slow News Wednesday. This is Slow News Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show. Thank you, Zach Heilprin. Zach, by the way, will join the show tomorrow night. Programming note. Very excited. Going to knock his socks off with some Badgers basketball questions. Maybe we'll do some Luke Fickle stuff as well. Go read this Jason Wildey piece. You can find it on Twitter. Just look up Jason Wildey. Madison Journal or the State Journal or it's Madison.com, but it's the State Journal. It's that it's that one. You know what I'm talking about. Listen to this lead. Are you ready? Green Bay. Jordan Love leaned his right shoulder against the hallway wall, adjusted his charcoal knit winter stocking cap and pondered the question. The Green Bay Packers backup quarterback of the present and perhaps the starting quarterback of the future if and when the opportunity finally arrives, was contemplating one particular word. Jealous. Wildy, he continues. Love had been asked if he ever looks to the other four quarterbacks taken in the first or second round of the 2020 draft. The Cincinnati Bengals' Joe Burrow, the Miami Dolphins' Tua Tungavailoa, the Los Angeles Chargers' Justin Herbert, and the Philadelphia Eagles' Jalen Hurts. And is jealous of what they're doing while he continues to hold a Microsoft Surface tablet on the sideline behind four-time NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers, and with no clear-cut path to the starting job in 2023 to look forward to. Wildy's got a point. (laughs) It's like, well, when you put it that way, kind of makes it sound like the Packers have got this guy in jail. Joe Burrow played in a Super Bowl. Two is leading a team, it looks like, to the playoffs. 
Justin Herbert, people are talking about him as one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. Jalen Hurts might win an MVP. And Jordan Love, who's holding a Microsoft Surface tablet. Not a clipboard, because we don't do clipboards anymore. I I don't want an old-school clipboard, but he's got a Microsoft Surface tablet. You know, we love to talk about, well, the best time to draft quarterbacks when you don't need one. We love to talk about that. Or... We like to talk about how Green Bay likes to groom their young quarterbacks for a couple of years. Actually, I, I take that back. You don't want to use the word groom these days. That'll get you in trouble. We like to talk about how Green Bay does things a little bit differently with quarterbacks is my point, right? They have a development strategy. But as a first-round pick, it kind of sucks. Like, yeah, they want to develop love. They want to work on love. Well, Jordan Love probably also wants to play, okay? Jordan Love said this as a response when he was asked if he gets jealous. Wildy gets the point. Quote, I wouldn't say I get jealous of them. I think of the position they're in, Love finally said. We're all obviously from the same class, and they came in and got the opportunity to play right away. That's not just that's just not the situation here. I think if I came in and was starting my first year and was able to play three years as a starter, I think I'd be right with them doing the same things. But that's just not the situation. Asked how he thought he'd played if he would have been thrust into the starting lineup as a rookie, Love replied, quote, I think about that a lot, actually. If I was somewhere else starting right away, obviously it's hard for rookie quarterbacks and young quarterbacks. And if it doesn't go your way right away, it's like they're already looking for somebody else to replace you. It's tough. I just think I'm getting this opportunity to sit, learn, and not be thrown into the fire right away. And I think it'll pay off for sure. I'm appreciative of the situation. Obviously, I want to be out on the field, but I'm appreciative of the situation. I give Jordan Love a ton of credit. He doesn't lack self-awareness, that's for sure. That'd get you a long way in life. Self-aware people are the best people. People who can read a room. People who can hear the things as they're saying the things that they're saying and understand how it comes across. Self-awareness, very important trait. Jordan Love has it to say, look, I, I wish I could be playing. I think I'd be right with those guys if I was playing. But I have a different kind of opportunity here, and it's an opportunity to build as a quarterback to learn. And I appreciate that. That's pretty good stuff. That's self-aware. I'm sure he'd love to be playing, right? Jason Wildey asked Dallin Levitt, what kind of name is that? What he thinks about Jordan Love's situation, the safety corner. But Mike Clements always talks about him. I don't know. Quote, I think that's one of the best things about him, and it's unique, said Packers safety Dallin Levitt, who was a senior at Utah State in 2017, when Love was a redshirt freshman and started the Aggies' final six games of the season. Quote, I don't know how he does it. Throughout my career, I've been a roster bubble guy, and for every year... That's the uncertainty for me. It's something I struggle with. It's really hard. So for him to be able to do that, it's pretty impressive. Jordan Love also, like, Jordan Love almost has certain uncertainty, right? When you say somebody's consistently inconsistent, Jordan Love has certain uncertainty. The only known that Jordan Love has is he doesn't know if he's going to play or when he's going to play, right? It is hard dealing with uncertainty at work. Like, there are days uh, where, like, last summer during Brewers season, the Brewers play at 110. And my show wouldn't start until 4.30, 4.45. Or maybe it would start at 4. Maybe it'd start at 5. Maybe it'd start at 5.30. Right? And all day, I'm like, how much time do I have tonight? How, mu- how much do I need to prepare for the show? How many segments do I need to write? Like, all these things. Uncertainty at work is a big pain in the butt. And pushing through that and focusing on work, it's probably much harder as an NFL quarterback. Down love it. Appreciating that part of Jordan Love's personality. Here's the part of the story that started the fire, so to speak. So where does that leave Love? Asked if Rodgers comes back for the 2023 season, if he really is willing to sit out for another year. Love replied, 
That's something me and my agent will talk about. We'll figure that out. Although Love could request a trade, it's hard to know what the Packers could get back in return, especially if he doesn't play another snap this season. He's also invested three years in head coach Matt LaFleur's system and could thrive once he's finally given the keys to the car, while starting fresh in a new system would be more difficult. I, I couldn't read that last part without thinking about Mike McCarthy. I got three years invested in Joe Callahan. I got three years invested in Brett Hundley. This quarterback room is exactly where it needs to be. Three years invested. Jordan Love has been in the system for three years. I'd like to think that if he stepped in and could play, he'd be pretty good. But I don't know what that would mean in the context of next year because they're way over the cap. Aaron Jones is probably out. They're probably going to lose some expensive, talented players. They're going to have to rebuild the offensive line in some form or fashion. They don't really have any tight ends. They don't have many wide receivers under contract next year. They have Watson and Dobbs. That's about it. Maybe they'll extend Alan Lazard. We'll see. I got to think they'll let Alan Lazard hit the open market. But then again, with guys like Alan Lazard, where I was like, well, no one will, no one will want him. Uh, but well, then why do we want him back? Like, someone will, someone will want him. He's a good player. Alan Lazard's a good player. He does a lot of good things. Might be blocking things, which I think Matt LaFleur prioritizes more than some coaches and probably more than he should. I don't know. The team's going to be in a little bit of upheaval next year. Sometimes I wonder if it just wouldn't be better if the team's going to be in a state of upheaval, if it just wouldn't be better to upheave the quarterback as well, as David said, maybe sending Aaron Rodgers to conclude his career elsewhere. I don't know. That would stink. I would hate it, but maybe that's what makes most sense. Jordan Love possibly requesting a trade, forcing a trade, demanding a trade. That's the part of this article that kind of was ran with by everyone else. James Jones went on Coward today. They were talking about it. I was like, what the hell? Jordan Love never said he would request a trade. This is what Wilde was writing about. It's funny how things are ran with like this. We should try to start something like that on this show that people run with. I wonder how we could do it. Let's scheme it up. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll talk more about this next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills a little break news if you're interested uh the brewers acquired owen miller yep that's the one not brad miller uh oh owen miller yep who i've liked for a long time i followed his career with great interest uh he's from mequon so that's nice or fredonia or ozaki county or uh, who cares dodgers signed noah syndergaard the brewers Traded a bag of money for a guy who looks like a stock photo. That's what you need to know. That's that's where we're at. Just to loop everyone in. We're talking Packers. I hate it here with the Brewers. This team. Jordan Love's going to request a trade. Uh, is what people thought when they read Jordan. Or not Jordan Love's piece, but Jason Wildey's piece about Jordan Love. Media literacy, again, it's a skill. We should get some. We should be able to read this piece, read the quotes, read Jason Wildey's commentary on the quotes and say, interesting. Well, what, a, what an offseason we're approaching. What an interesting situation in which we find ourselves. A lot of factors at play. Clock's ticking on Jordan Love. Clock's ticking on Aaron Rodgers. Two different clocks ticking in two different directions. And Brian Gutekunst is in the middle. Hey, have you ever heard of Andrew Brandt? Maybe you've seen him tweet. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but he used to work 
in the Packers front office. It's not a story that he tells often. Uh, he and he <laughs> he he always tells the story of when he worked in the Packers front office, the the offseason of 2008, when he was fielding calls left and right from the representation of both Rodgers and Favre. And Favre wanted Rodgers out of there. And uh, Rodgers wanted to be out of there as well for different reasons. I mean, gosh, what a what a pickle Andrew Brandt must have found himself in. I had to unfollow Andrew Brandt on Twitter because I'm pretty sure we we're going to be the point where that story was getting tweeted out three times a day. I like to recycle content, but cheese and rice. I tried to get Andrew Brandt on the show one time. He didn't answer, which was fine. Like, I, I, I shouldn't bring that stuff up because it makes me sound like I'm petty. I, I'm not petty. I'm not petty at all. Uh, I, I just wish that his Twitter account didn't suck as bad as it does. It's the same six stories all the time. <sighs> same picture of him and Rogers sitting at the table signing a contract. We got that much run out of a picture. Who, who's the other? Who's the other person on earth who's gotten that much run out of one picture? Find me one person. You can't. You cannot. How did we get on this? Oh yeah, what an interesting off season that we found ourselves in. If only Andrew Brandt was still working in the Packers front office, he'd know what to do. He's been there before. Packers have some choices to make. I can't decide if I want Rodgers back or not. Danny Heifetz, friend of show, texted me out of the blue the other night. He's like, "What do you think the Packers are going to do with Rodgers? What's what's the what's the read of the room? What's the temperature like in Packers fandom?" And I had to tell Danny, I'm like, "Well." See, other than this guy, Mike Clements, who's plugged in as all get out, Mike, I, I, I'm not in the, I'm not in the stadium, Danny. I'm not covering games. You don't come to me for inside information. You can come to me for great takes and, and a thrilling, entertaining show every night from four to six. But if you want inside information here, you are gravely mistaken. But we were going back and forth. He said, well, what should the Packers do? And I said, well, if they move off him this year, it's 40 million. If they move off next year, it's 60 million. I, I'd be okay if they moved off him and did this, that, the other thing. And we went back and forth for a couple minutes. He's like, you haven't even mentioned the possibility that they keep him. And I said, yeah, that's probably what they'll do. I, I think I told Danny probably 70% they keep him. I'll believe this Packers front office will move off of Aaron Rodgers when they move off of Aaron Rodgers because they've had some golden opportunities to do so, and they haven't taken it. I, I think the Packers are fine to run out Rodgers' career in Green Bay until he's ready to go. And I don't know if they're thinking about the the feelings of Jordan Love. You know, facts over feelings is what they say. No one actually uh, practices that. Everyone preaches it. No one practices facts over feelings. Uh, the fact is Aaron Rodgers is still a member of the Green Bay Packers, and the feelings of Jordan Love, I think, are secondary to the front office of the Packers. If I was Jordan Love's agent this offseason, I'd be applying the pressure. I'm not saying I'd be demanding a trade, but I'd be calling up Brian Gutekinds, and I'd be like, uh, Mr. Gutekinds, respectfully, what the hell are we doing here? You drafted my guy. You drafted my client at the end of the first round, and it looked like he was going to get his chance to play, and then you guys waffled off of it. You gave Rodgers all this money, and still here we are. So what am I supposed to tell Jordan? Oh, a couple more years, are we ready to play? I know he was a developmental project, but gee, the guy needs to play football to develop, don't you think, Brian? Come on, well, what's the situation here? Again, not demanding a trade, but you know, let's let's talk. Let's hash this out, for gosh sakes. My guy's been here three years sitting behind Rodgers. If he's not ready now, you're not ever going to think he's ready. Give my guy a chance to play football. Apply the pressure. I would be applying the pressure. Again, it's not like if it works, you, you want to raise, right? Sometimes it's not best to come out and ask for a raise. Maybe just, you know, sniff around a little bit. Don't talk to your high and mighty superior. Maybe talk to a superior that you work more closely with. It's like, man, I haven't got a raise in two years. 
thinking a you know don't think about it a lot you know price of living cost you know you just you know, apply a little pressure here and there I don't know they're offering pretty good benefits over at the quick trip all the lottery scratch ups I could want a lot of chicken sandwiches in the hot case pretty important to me pretty good benefits you just apply pressure a little bit put the pressure on your employer that's what Jordan Love's agent's gonna do this off season he's gonna go in there and put some feelers out like come on Brian Mark Matt what the heck is this. Like, I didn't get drafted to be a career backup to Aaron Rodgers. You can't decide whether he wants to retire or come back or come back for three more years at $50 million a year. It's just it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. I can see it going anyway. I think I'm 70-30 that Rodgers is back next year. But David, one of our most staunch Rodgers defenders, and according to some texters, sounds like he has bodies tied up in his basement. Even David thinks that they should maybe move off of Rodgers this offseason. That, that means we we've... We've crossed a threshold when David joins Team Trade Rogers. When that happened, uh, my eyes were opened a little bit. I don't know. And we're also talking about a team that if they win out, I actually think is a pretty good shot to make the playoffs. The problem is I don't think they're going to win out, but maybe. We are, we're not at a crossroads with our Packers fandom right now. We're, we're like a six-way stop. And there's a bunch of different lanes and stoplights that are angled one way or another. I think in my hometown, Menominee. Right in the middle of town, right by the subway in the Wisconsin Credit Union and the, the Wilson Mansion. Or no, it's not the Wilson Mansion. The Stout House right on the left, right by the hall on the right. Right as you come under the bridge, you can go south, you can go north, you can go what would be southeast over towards Stout Road or towards the Culver's. You can go that way. You can go right. Like It's like a five-way stop. That's where we're at with the Packers right now. Like, well, we got to deal with possibly making the playoffs or playing to make the playoffs this year. And the best way to do that. And then we also got to deal with the crossroads of what we're going to do with quarterback this offseason. We got to figure that out. And then in the draft, we got to obviously every team has to worry about that. But then this Packers team is in a cap crunch, a big cap crunch. Are we going to move off of some of these guys? Are we going to float more dead money into the future? I mean, how are we going to scrape up the money to <laughs> how are we going to scrape up the money to extend Dean Lowry? Fans will riot if he leaves Lambeau this offseason. We got to find the money to extend Dean Lowry. Or at the very best, draft another defensive tackle out of Northwestern. There's no way Dean Lowry can leave the building without someone waiting in the wings. Some defensive tackle who's white and well-studied and who can't make a tackle to save his life. We, we can't just we can't just let this guy walk out the door. We're at a crossroads. I'm rambling. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We can wrap up the Wisco Sports Show with the Bucks. We talked about them for a couple minutes back at 5 o'clock. We can touch on them for some people who've maybe joined the show a little bit later. And also, I have a Badgers basketball take that I want to leave you with today. I'm very excited to run this take pass. Our guy, Zach Heilprin, he's going to be on the show tomorrow. My goal every time we have Zach on is to knock his socks off, and I think I'm going to accomplish it with this take. It's a Stephen Crowell take, and we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show with that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are back from the bye getting ready for Monday Night Football when they host the Rams. At 5-8, and eight, the Packers will need some help from teams in the NFC East and South if they have any hopes of making the playoffs. Packers safety, Adrian Amos. It do, I mean, we can't control the scenarios, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, all we can control is win. If we lose, it, it don't matter anyway. So we just have to um, prepare to win out. Wide receiver Romeo Dobbs has asked how he felt about the game-time decision 
decision in Chicago to not play with that high ankle sprain against the Bears. I thought it was a great decision. Um, I made sure I did everything throughout the week. I tried to see how the ankle felt, um, just cutting, moving around, just playing a position. And I thought it was a great decision just to uh, sit out for the Bears game. I knew that I had an advantage being able to use the bye week to uh, get my ankle back going again. So it was, it was a great decision. Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee show asked how his ribs and fractured thumb are doing and how he spent the bye. Thumb is doing a lot better. It was nice to have that week off. The ribs are, are doing better, too. I, I was able to finally start getting some sleep. Yeah, yeah, but my body's feeling a lot better. It always feels good coming back after the bye, whether you're 21 or Whatever the hell will I am now, it's it's nice to get that week off. You know, went to the beach, worked on my tan, you know, wore a lot of tank tops. Yeah, showed off my belly button a little bit and had a good time. That's Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens. Best Packers coverage. Thank you, Mike. I think Mike will be on the Bill Michaels huddle tonight. Should be on from 6 to 8. I'm not sure. I don't know. Mike Clemens is always ready, waiting in the wings for a good huddle. I think I'm calling in around 6.30. Should be a fun time. We'll talk Packers. Thank you, Mike, for that Packers update. I want to wrap up the Wisco Sports Show with actually a little Badgers basketball talk and any thoughts on the Bucks. Mike in Windsor is here. Mike, I, I, do you want to talk Badgers basketball? Is that your – what's your move here? What's your angle? Uh, we can talk about whatever you want, Grant. Well, I just want to – I want to hit on – Okay. I want to hit on Luke Fickle real quick. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Let's do that. Awesome. Because I, I really didn't have I anything want, specific I needed. Whatever you wanted to do, I want to do for the last eight minutes of the show here. I want to hit on this guy getting so many recruits and so many commits in the last, let's say, 72 hours. Hats off to this guy. You know, he gets hired, and you got everyone calling the zone, just screaming and yelling and not liking stuff and, like, liking well. all this different oh, sounds, sounds like every other and then, sounds like any other day on the zone if we're being honest i listen to that <laughs> station plenty I, I i know what goes on over there <laughs> well that's all i live i live here so yeah um yeah so it, but all these people saying that stuff and then you know i tell you what he's the best thing that Ma- that wisconsin athletics has done in, in a while and I want to hit back to that article in the athletic. And that was a couple months ago mm. about the actual recruiting situation in Madison and why it broke down so bad and why we didn't have like an actual recruiting office for multiple, multiple months. And I think that this is, this is an eye opener for a lot of Badger fans because we're getting three, four star recruits with ease. Ease. This isn't, this isn't, I mean, we're 72 hours into this. So I think that we need to really look and appreciate um, what McIntosh has done yeah, and and understand that this means a different outlook for Badger football. They just got a little facelift. I mean, like, the recruiting department was in shambles. There are all these other issues that we kind of learned, like the program had maybe gotten a little bit away from Paul Chris, and I don't think he liked dealing with a lot of these, like, let's call them CEO responsibilities. He loved the coaching. I don't know if he loved everything he else that went along with it. And it just goes to show you a baseline competence at some of these CEO activities, these responsibilities like recruiting, like NIL, just a baseline level of competence at these other things. The Wisconsin brand is really powerful, and they didn't really have to change it a is. whole lot to Huge. start reaping the some program. Of the program itself has its own power, but when you add a face like Luke Fickle with success he's had at multiple yeah. universities, 
that adds the extra factor. I mean, you're talking four-star recruit tight ends. You're talking three-star recruit. Um, who was that kid that just uh, committed like five or six hours ago? Um, Nick Evers was in town Ashcraft, last night. They got quarterbacks who were yeah, sniffing Ashcraft, around. That tight end, Ashcraft, that is a huge, huge pickup. Um, huge. So, um, I mean, it's it, we're, we're, we're looking at a, a far better program than what people are actually going to give it credit for. Um, and I'm excited. I'm really excited to see it next year. And I'm, you know, I think that everyone's expectations next year need to be realistic as well. Um, that it's going to take a few years to build this program, but it's, it is going to be significantly better than what we're used to as Badger fans. Um, Badger basketball, I don't think they'll have any problem tomorrow night. I'm not really worried about it. They got Lehigh. Yeah. So I have, I have a take and I, I hope Ben Kenny is in the zone studio preparing for the Bill Michaels huddle because I think he'll love this take. So let me walk you through this, Mike. Okay, I've been workshopping this today, and we're going to launch this like a, like a vessel, like a boat, onto the water tomorrow. A hard launch with Zach Heilbrunn, okay? So last year, I remember our guy Ben Kenny saying, well, Johnny Davis is the Badgers' best player, but Tyler Wall is their most important player. Do you remember this? I do, yes. Most valuable player. Yes. So... I look at this year's team, and I think Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall are probably on equal footing. I don't know that one is leagues better than the other. They both do different things. I think they are the two best players on the Badgers. But I tell you what. I tell you what. I feel like Stephen Crowell is their X factor. And that if they're oh, going to contend I love, I love it. With, I love it. with the meat of the Big Ten, because we got to deal with Hunter Dickinson, Trace Jackson Davis, Zach Eady, Chris Murray, who they didn't have to play. They need some meat, and if Stephen Crowell can be more than just a pile of meat and he can give them just a little bit more, I think their ceiling goes up exponentially. They're a good team even if Stephen Crowell isn't anything great, but if he can take a couple of steps, this the ceiling on this team goes way higher. If, if Stephen, Stephen Crowell has the potential for higher scoring than he produces every single night, and we, I think as if you watch Badger basketball – on a regular basis, you know that. He has more talent than he puts out. If he goes on a streak and gets hot and Tyler Wall does the same that he's been doing with his um, offensive boards, things like that, they're going to be hard to beat. Very, very hard to beat. And I love that we just every single year the Big Ten's just like, oh, you're going to finish, you know, ninth. Yeah. And it's just it's yeah. so it's so disrespectful to Badger basketball. It's unbelievable because it's every year – we're finishing ninth or 10th. And then we're, you know, three, four weeks in, we're top 25. And then we're fourth in the big 10. And then we're second in the big 10. And then, Oh, we win the big 10. How about that? So let's go Badgers on Wisconsin. I think we got it in the bag tomorrow night. I'm excited for a, for a good, uh, good game tomorrow night. I'm expecting 10 points at least. Let's roll them. Mike, I appreciate the call. I'm glad we got to chat before the show's over. Yeah, man. Have a good night. You as well. That is our guy, Mike in Windsor. Appreciate the call, Mike. Yeah, that's my take. I think Tyler Wall, Chucky Hepburn are the Badgers' best players. I think Connor Asijin, I don't know what but what bucket do we put Connor Asijin in, but I, Stephen Crowell is the guy where if he can be better than just the big guy, like the, the Charlie Thomas role, where it's like, okay, you're big, but can you do anything with it? <laughs> can you, do you have a skill or skills that you can bring to the table? If Stephen Crowell can raise his game even a little, that raises the Badgers' ceiling in the Big Ten so much. Because he's not a liability out there. He needs to be out there to contend with some of these big, really good centers. But if he can give you a little bit more other than just getting in the way, the ceiling of this team gets a lot higher.
And I've been thinking about Stephen Crowell. When I was watching the Marquette game, I think at one point I tweeted after a Crowell dunk, don't let Crowell play angry. And I was joking. I actually kind of think that might be true because what we hear about Stephen Crowell and it tracks when you watch him is that I think Stephen Crowell's a little bit better than Stephen Crowell thinks, which is a little backwards. Like normally basketball players, they, they shoot too much. They try shots that are too crazy. Russell Westbrook last night, I'm watching in overtime. I'm like, damn it, Russ. Can you just just play your role? I'm trying to watch the Celtics lose before bed. But Stephen Crowell, I think there's more in the tank than sometimes he taps into. And Kenny and Heilpern were talking about that last night. I enjoyed that part of the conversation. Stephen Crowell, ceiling raiser. Six foot Steve says a siege is the wild card. Yeah, that might be true, but they might rely on him a little bit too much in big games for him to be a wild card. Jordan Davis might be the wild card. I don't know. We'll organize the team tomorrow. Enjoy the Bill Michaels huddle coming up next. Love, shake it, shake it, shake it.